Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Con Report wherever you get your podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, like button, subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A M P I R E. In a few minutes, I'll be joined by ESPN's Paul Gutierrez, who covers the Las Vegas Raiders. And yes, that means quarterback Derek Carr. Should Washington be interested in Carr now that he's well, he's going to be available, whether you want to trade for him or whether eventually he gets cut. Should the commanders take a look at Derek Carr? After all, they did last year. I'll get to more of that in a couple minutes. But before I get there, and I'll get to my interview with my conversation with Paul in, in several minutes, but before I get there, let's go over a couple of things with ownership and then the offensive coordinator position. First with ownership. I think this one is a harder one because all you hear is that the general vibe is that something will happen soon. What does soon mean? I don't think that I really know the answer to that yet. So soon could mean by the end of March. Soon could mean sometime in mid-February. And I think there's still more to learn before we can fully give some concrete answers to some of the questions that you clearly have. As far as who it is and, and who would be in the lead and all that, and Je where's Jeff Bezos? Well, Bezos still hasn't made a bid. And there is a feeling by some who are involved in this process that maybe the banks are leaking some stuff because they're trying to get the price to go or trying to drive the price up, trying to get more investors involved or meaning Jeff Bezos. So I think there's still some more things to learn here. And I know um, JP Finley reported Todd Bully was out. I don't know that. Um, it's also, I did hear some things from some other people that suggested it was going to be hard for him. However, does that mean he could go back and partner with somebody else and come back with in that kind of situation? I think at this point, anything remains possible. Um, Josh Harris clearly is a guy or his group with, with David Blitzer would be certainly one that's on the list of, of groups to watch as we are, as we're standing, as we stand right now, I think, some people say it would be presumptuous to think that they are actually the front runners. So I don't know that you can go there at this point. And, and I don't really have great answers that I can report to you. You know, you talk to a lot of people, you hear a lot of things, but reporting it is then different. And so there are, there are certain things that you're just not ready to go there yet. But I do think that, you know, the certain things are taking shape. Um, again, the timetable, I would... I would be I wouldn't be surprised if it does happen relatively soon. Um, I am going to have some people on over the next several days to talk about the ownership situation, more so from a value standpoint and kind of getting some information on some of the people involved, um, et cetera, to give you some more informed um, uh, thoughts on on who these people are and what it might mean for the commanders. 
So again, there's still a lot more to learn. I apologize, it's not a great, great update, but I do think it's what can go with right now. And and stay tuned because there's so much more to learn and and this thing is 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 unfolding and we go from there. But again, I still even with even with um in some situations, could could Snyder end up selling just a portion of the team, or excuse me, selling a majority portion, sticking around for several years and maybe handing over power over a period of time. I think anything is possible. I still think it would be a full sale and, and we'll go from there. So when, when I, when we know more, when we learn more, then we'll discuss more. As far as the offensive coordinator position, Washington did interview Pat Shermer on Tuesday and the other, other people that they're going to interview Charles London, who is a quarterback's coach in Atlanta comes from a system that they, like a lot, especially how they ran the ball. Then you have Eric Studsville, who is an assistant head coach, running backs coach in Miami. They also have interest in Daryl Bevel, but it sounded like when I talked to some people this morning on Tuesday morning, that with Bevel was kind of waiting to see how some other jobs opened up or what other offense corner jobs might open up and what that might mean for him before coming up here for an interview. So I don't know if he'll eventually be interviewed or not. As we st- as I talk right now, I have not heard of any interview lined up for him, but certainly definitely strong interest in 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 talking in with London, um, and then um, with Studsville. So then there's also some other. Those are the ones we know for sure. Um, there's also interest in guys like Frank Reich and Jim Caldwell, as we have talked about before. I'd be really surprised if Frank Reich came here. I think he's really uh, fighting for a head coaching job, from what I've heard, and. I don't know that he'd want to jump right back into an offensive coordinator position if it doesn't work out for a head coaching job. The guy's going to make, I think it's nine, I was told nine and a half million this year or something like that. So I don't think he's ready to jump right into something um, where if he if he's not ready or if it's not the best situation for him. So I think I'd have a harder time seeing him, even though it clearly would make sense if this team were interested in him. And as far as Shermer goes, he does have ties to Ron Rivera. They coach together on Andy Reid's staff in Philadelphia. So I think, you know, there's familiarity there. One thing that I think works to Shermer's favor is the kind of quarterbacks he's worked with and these systems that he's run. I think it's designed similar to what, or the it's, it's similar philosophy to what Rivera would want. He also has worked with a young Nick Foles. He had, if you remember right, I think it was his second year, 27 touchdowns uh, with Foles. He's worked with Daniel Jones as a rookie. He worked with Colt McCoy as a rookie. He worked with Case Keenum in Minnesota, where he got him to look like a legitimate starting quarterback. The one year, I think it was 2017, where Keenum was really had a really good year um, as a backup coming in. And the Vikings made it to the championship game because of it. So that was the Minnesota miracle year. But but so the point is that he's made it work with some quarterbacks who are not just like some upper echelon quarterbacks and building a career off that. I think that's one thing that appeals to this team is that is experience working with different quarterbacks, but also different level of quarterback play. So that way you get, you know, you, you're not always going to have the Tom Brady at his peak there and, and that's not going to happen. So what can you make an offense out of that? And I've said before, I think that's when I always knew that Kyle Shanahan was a good offense coordinator back when he had John Beck, Rex Grossman, guys like that. And the offense still was getting guys open. It's just a matter of did Rex throw it to the right team or not. So, but I do think that there's, there's, that's part of the appeal for Shermer. 
Um, and I do know that he, I think he has some other teams interested, but this is a job that he would be interested in. And the sales job for this team to get guys here is looking at the talent and that if you do come out here and do well, that if you're a young, a younger coordinator, you can make yourself look really good. I do know some young possible coordinator types who do have interest in the job because they know how hard it is to get these jobs. So we'll see. I think that one, if they, if they indeed went with Shermer, I think one of the values for him is that he's not angling to be a head coach again. And basically he didn't didn't make it in Cleveland, didn't make it with the Giants. He's not going to get a third job. So I think if you if he worked here as a coordinator, he could be here for for a little while with that offense. And that way you wouldn't have to change offenses every couple of years if a guy who was here went on to become a head coach. So and you know you can make your own opinion on what you think of Shermer as a coordinator, but that's part of the appeal for them and for him coming here. Bevel would be another good one. But again, right now, I was told that it was more of a wait and see uh, situation. I do think that they want to see how some coaches go through the head coaching process and whether or not they, um, if they get a job or don't get a job, and then what it means for possibly coming here. So unless they're, if they find their guy, I think they'll go get a guy sooner rather than later. However, I think they are well aware they may have to wait a week or two to get a guy just based on how these head coaching jobs fall out uh, with other candidates. So just a be patient with that one, but that's, that's the latest right there. And so that's it. Now let's go to Derek Carr. So why are we talking about Derek Carr? Washington's going to go with Sam Howell, right? Well, yeah. And they're going to try and get another veteran quarterback in here, whether it's Taylor Heineke or somebody of that stature, and, and maybe they add another guy in the draft in the lower rounds. I don't think anything has been dismissed at this point. So why, again, so why talking about Derek Carr? Well, because they had interest in him last year and they try to trade for him. They try to trade for a lot of guys. They try to trade for Kirk Cousins. They try to trade for obviously, you know, and those guys weren't available. They were called on Carr a couple of times and they were told no. So they knew that he was not going to be someone they could get. But the point is they had interest in him. So that's why I wanted to bring on Paul Gutierrez to talk about him, just to talk it through. Would he be a smart choice to go after and get him? Personally, no, you don't go get him because you're going to have to give up too much in terms of capital and then money. I don't think I don't think he's worth that. But what if he is free? What if he's a free agent? What if you if all it is is if all it is is money, right? That's where the ownership situation comes into play. Well, Rivera had not met with Dan Snyder yet to set the budget. So we don't know what he's going to be able to spend. That too plays into the quarterback decision. And then what if this ownership situation is settled over the next month and Derek Carr has just been cut and a new owner kind of makes the makes it known to somebody in the building, hey, I'd really like to have Derek Carr in Washington. I know I've always liked him. So then do you go get him? I think that's kind of a, it might be a far-fetched scenario, but I'm just playing the what-if game. And that's why I wanted to bring on Paul to talk about Carr, to walk through what should they do. And after listening to him, does it change your opinion? So I, I like the idea of going with Howell. I like the idea of building around him and bringing in a veteran guy in case he, just because I think it would help him. It's You always want that veteran guy with him, but I think it would help him. I think you want to compete. I think you also want to have somebody who, like a Heineke, like a Jacoby Brissett, where if it if they don't start, 
that they can still help you because of how they are with the with the starter. And I think both guys are, I know Heineke would be very good. And I've only heard good things about Brissett in that regard. And I keep bringing them up just because, again, level of play that I think and the level of a stature that they would probably pursue if you're going to truly indeed go with Sam Howell. So there you go. That's the reason why we are talking about Derek Carr. Don't get angry that we're talking about him. Going to run through some different scenarios. I'll be talking more about, about Sam Howell, getting some other people on, comparing him to this year's quarterback class to see are they making the right decision with him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there you go. Anyway, all that being said, here's my conversation with ESPN's Paul Gutierrez. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57. And for the NFL divisional round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KIME, K-E-I-M. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KIME. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Paul, I think this is like a yearly conversation with you now where what's going on with Derek Carr and should a team trade for him or pick him up? So, and Washington last year was absolutely interested in him. And I believe they called a couple times to the Raiders to, to gauge their interest. They definitely liked him. Clearly did not get him. Could be back on the market soon. And my guess is for them, they wouldn't trade for him. But I think they're still like, he's a guy that you actually have to discuss because he's a pretty good quarterback. So what happened with Carr this yeah. year and Josh McDaniels? Why are we at this point with him there? Yeah, John, thanks for having me on. And, it, and it's Groundhog Day in more ways than one, right? Because not only is it Derek Carr offseason speculation season, but it's also let's talk what happened and what's going right and what, what happened right. that went wrong with Derek Carr. Basically, you know, they signed with that extension last offseason with a new regime coming in with the coach Josh McDaniels, GM Dave Ziegler, the quote-unquote Patriot Way West. And the, the, the Raiders actually gave themselves kind of an out in the contract and that they could have uh, parted ways with him. Um, at the end of the season, within three days of the Super Bowl, if things just didn't go the way it looked like it was going to go. Well, it didn't. Um, and, and that's always been a thing with Derek throughout his career. You, At the end of the day, if you really aren't around the team much or 
you don't pay that closely attention to, to the games. You look at the stats and you're like, well, what, what's there not to like here? I mean, there's, you know, usually he's thrown for 4,000 yards a season. He's close, he's close to 30 touchdown passes. Uh, you know, he's definitely a top 12. If that's a random number, we can just pull out of here a top 12 quarterback. Um, but there's just always been something that's missing, whether it was a bad defense or uh, off field um, prevails would happen, things like that. And, and, and at the end of the day, you look at the other side of the record, he's 16 games under 500 as a starter. So his his uh, supporters will say, well, football's a team sport. You can't give quarterbacks wins or losses. But then his supporters will say, but wait, he leads the league in comeback wins since he came into the league in 2014. So to me, he's always been, or at least in recent years, the most polarizing figure in Raiders history. And I, really? and I mean that legitimately. I mean that literally. Polarizing. His fans ab- adore him. His detractors abhor him. And there's no real middle ground with this guy. So what happened? A little bit of everything. And with the contract and with the new direction the team wants to go in, he's due $40 million uh, guaranteed over the next two seasons if, indeed, the Raiders go ahead and don't do anything within three days of the Super Bowl. Well, they made their intentions clear when they benched him with two games to go. And in a strange situation, they called it a mutual decision, but Derek stayed away from the team as to not be a distraction, was you know the air quotes around that. And it was strange because this is the guy that was the all-time franchise leader. He in passing, he literally holds uh, every passing record in, in franchise history, and yet he was a no-show for the last two games. Um, and then he finally made a public statement this past week. It, it kind of, you know, his supporters again loved every word of it. His his detractors said, "Well, here's another pity party, and this is why they're moving on." So again, it depends upon which lens you're looking at. If I'm wearing my glasses, I see it one way. If I take off my cheaters, I see it another way. It's just, it's just, that's everything that comes with Derek Carr. I know it's a long-winded answer to your oh, short question, but, but that's exactly what goes on with him. And this is what a team is looking to get into bed with, so to speak, if you do get, if you do go after him. Solid quarterback, no doubt about it, but there's a lot of other things that come with it. Well, it's funny because as a reporter, how much fun is it to cover a guy who's that polarizing? Because that, <laughs> I mean, because there, any, anything you write is going to be viewed for through their lens. It's going to be, you're going to be attacked that way. Yeah, and and um, or t- I shouldn't say attack, but like it's certainly going to be viewed a certain way. No, no, you were right. Yeah, I probably was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were right. But you know, Derek and I, we we've had. I've I've always thought that we've maintained a professional relationship along the years, anyways. And we had a little head. Uh, you know, we butted heads a little bit in training camp, and they came out of the woodworks and came after me, and and then uh, people came after him the same way. And it's like, all I know is I took. I don't know if I take it. A, I'll put it this way, John. When when Al Davis came after me in a press conference, I took that as a badge of honor, right? I mean, the great Al Davis came after me and insulted me, and my Twitter feed blew up, which was brand new at the time. Boom, fine, great. Al Davis got me. Uh, Derek Carr blocked me on Twitter, and I'm like, huh, I don't know how to take that, you know, because it was just strange. It was bizarre. And to me, it said more about that mindset than my own. And it, it's, it is what it is. Uh, we still had pleasant conversations in the locker room as the season went on. Um, you know, it, it's it's from a reporter perspective, you got to put that to the side because it's right. not personal. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, but but it's interesting because it does kind of dominate your life. And then when he gets benched and it happens and, you know, there goes your day. You got to sit down and you've got to write all these stories because um, it's news. And mm-hmm. with the Raiders especially, and, and you know, covering the, the team there in Washington, anytime any little thing happens, it, it's, it generates a lot of news. So you just kind of go from there. And and when you have, when you're covering a quarterback like that, it's fine because that's, you know, to quote our good friend Jay Reed's favorite movie, The Godfather, 
um, this is the life we've signed up for, so to speak. It, it is. And, and, you know, and, and it's, it's not personal, it's business. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and that's Another for life. both sides. Like, <laughs> yeah. For both, for both sides. Like, it's okay. Like that is what you do. And there's sometimes I would tell people, I can't help what I hear. That's the yep. other part too, that, you know, that comes with it, but quarterbacks in general polarizing, but anyways, enough of that, because that's not what we really want to don't want to go down the road, but from right. a, from an on-field standpoint, did it, was it not working for him with McDaniels or was it more that he just feels like he could go in a different direction and maybe save on the salary cap and do something, create something better? Yes. Okay. To all of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. And, and, and that was the thing too. And you know, a lot of fans and I caught a lot of heat and flack for this in the off season when I wrote that, you know, when they brought in the new regime, Derek Carr has traditionally suffered and his QBR has plummeted in his first year with the new play caller. And he's had a lot of new play callers throughout his nine-year career. You know, that's not his fault, but you look at the stats, there it is. And and, and it did. He struggled. Um, and there were times when he looked like he fully grasped it. There were other times when it looked like he kind of seemed lost out there. There were other times when he was out there directing traffic and telling receivers where to line up. Um, it just seemed like a, a total mismatch. Um, between the, the new offense and him. And then you see a difference when when Jarrett Stidham comes in against the 49ers, the top defense in the league, and he lights them up for 365 yards, three touchdowns. He did throw two picks. But he looked more comfortable in one start mm. in this offense than Derek did in 15 previous starts. And there's something to be said about that, too, because Jarrett Stidham was traded and acquired for uh, acquired from the Patriots. So the only NFL system Jarrett Stidham has known since coming in the league in 2019 is Josh McDaniels. Right. So that, again, leads to a lot of speculation about where they're going to go from here. But, yeah, going back to Derek, it was just it just didn't seem to to mesh. And there are, again, plenty of reasons, plenty of excuses as to why it didn't. It just didn't. And you throw in the financial aspect of that forty million dollars they can save with barely a five point six million dollar salary cap hit going forward when the cap's probably going to go up around 20 million or so. Yeah, it's 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 a wash if if nothing more than that. And then you go out there and from the Raider perspective, you find a quarterback that already knows this system and you go forward and see what you can do. And you use that 40 million to fix other parts of the roster. How hard because of what's come out already, how hard will it be for the Raiders to trade him? Because and again, I think that deadline is what February 15th, correct? Correct. Yeah. Three days after the Super Bowl. And, you know, we had the, the by the way. John, I got to thank you or, or blame you because we did the trade last year, That's right? right. Or we were we were in the in the the ESPN mock trade, and that is basically what got me blocked by by, <laughs> by Carr and the family because he, they didn't appreciate that I traded him. Um, I got him. They said, "Did yeah. they follow me?" <laughs> I, I guess not. Okay. I, you know, and, and I'm not making fun. I'm just saying this is what happened. So in this one, which is interesting, and I don't want to be a spoiler on this, but yeah, it is going to be hard to trade him. Because of what he has said, because of what the Raiders have basically, the feelers they put out, yeah, yeah, they would love to recoup something, anything for him if they could. But if you're a team sitting out there, why would I want to give up my own resources to get somebody that I think if I sit on the fence long enough, he's going to come free anyway? And if I'm Derek, I say, you know what, either pay me my $40 million or cut me and I'll go get my money out there elsewhere, even if it's not up to $40 million, Because if I go sign with another team, let's say it's Washington. He goes to Washington. Why would he then want to go to a team that he helped weaken by them giving up draft picks for him? Right. You know, from his perspective. So you can you can look at this thing through so many different angles. And and when at the end of the day, when you kind of look at him, like, yeah, I, I don't know why a team would trade for him unless they're that in love with him. But there's also always the buyer beware. He's been linked to like the New York Jets, um, the New York media. And I, as we we referenced this before already about how how kind of sensitive you know and again not making light of anything but 
but but the media there is a lot different than what he's faced in Oakland or Las mm-hmm. Vegas, no doubt. And also the cold weather. His stats, again, plummet dramatically mm-hmm. in cold weather games in, in November, late December. Oh, and so it's, we got a little bit of that's like, I guess, Deshaun Watson, the big knock on him on the field was about that as well. So I didn't realize yeah. I forgot that Carr had something similar with that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And and uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but but the he, I don't think he had won a game in, in like 30 degree temperatures in his career until a, a few years ago anyway. So and, and you know, it is what it is. You put a, a good team, a solid defense around them. Maybe things change. Maybe they don't. But but that's part of the package that the teams that are interested in him are, are going to be looking for. And he has the no trade clause, too. Correct. So he controls. Yeah. So that's where like he has a lot of control and leverage in this whole situation. Because of that, yeah, he definitely he definitely has the narrative there because of the no trade, because of what I said earlier. If I, you know, just looking at it from his perspective, you know, why would you know why would in his mind, if he feels the Raiders did him dirty and did him wrong, why would he then want to help them facilitate anything if he knows that you know either pay me my forty million or cut me and I'll go out there and do my own thing. So, and when you throw the no trade in there, yeah, it makes it even less likely, in my opinion. And again, it's. It's, uh, you know, we're only after the first weekend of the wild card weekend playoffs. There's a lot that can happen uh, this afternoon. So we'll see. Well, and and what, what do you think he'd be looking for? Again, let's say a team. Li- and I, again, I know Washington likes Sam Howell enough to be intrigued with him as a starter going forward. But I don't think they're going to cut off any any avenue. So what would it take? No. Do you, you do you think he, what do you think he'd be looking for in a, in a, in a, a new team? I think any, what any quarterback would be looking for, a, a, a situation where they could potentially win now. I, I I know, and he would never say this publicly at least, but, but he would want to go to a team that has a strong defense because, yeah, there have been blips here and there with the Raiders over the years. Khalil Mack was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 2016. But since he came in the league in 2014, if you go from 2014 through this season, the Raiders have had the worst defense, the 32nd-ranked defense in the NFL over that time frame. So – you know he wants to go somewhere where he's got a couple weapons, obviously, and then also a strong defense. But then again, which quarterback wouldn't want that situation? The team that's right. ready to win now. So um, in my opinion, where he's best suited would be someplace where the warm locale, whether it's in the south or in a dome, um, with with a decent enough defense. You just kind of figure it out from there. What kind of salary do you think we're looking at for him? Yeah, I, that's the thing. Is that when he signs his, his extensions, I mean – and it is. It's six years ago now, which is a lifetime, two generations ago in the NFL. But you know, it's summer of 2017, he signed a five-year, $125 million extension, which at the time, uh, for about six weeks, I believe, made him the highest-paid football player in NFL history. Now that's nowhere near the top 15, probably. Um, this extension that he had just signed last year, which was, uh, I want to say, three years, 121.5, that's where the $40 million guaranteed come from. I, I guess I think that's where you really got to kind of that that would be kind of the start negotiating point, because if that's what he was going to get anyways, I'm sure that's what his agent would want to start with anyway. So where that fits with other teams, if there's a, a prove it to me contract kind of thing floating out there, I don't know. But to me, it's it's you start with where he, what he was supposed to get and you go from there. So last thing on this, then with him, um, is he do you think he'd be a good value to sign? Because, again, if you're looking at. Again, the way Washington wants to do it, if you could go with a Howell and maybe a lower cost veteran, it gives you room to build around. But is yeah. is Carr is does Carr present such good value that a team should look hard at him? And oh, I know like should... and you brought up a top 12, because I know Orlovsky pointed said yeah. they referred to him as a top 12 QB. But so, anyways, go ahead. 
which is an interesting number to just kind of, oh, yeah. 12. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a top 13 quarterback, top 12. No. Uh, again, I think it depends on the situation. Right. If, if there's a team out there that feels it's two or three players away and it already has that strong defense, yeah, I think they should be interested. If you're a team that's trying to rebuild and you got all these other question marks and yet you're still going to have to pay that premium for him, I don't know why you would. But the interest will be there. It's interesting. I think from from Derek's perspective, um, there is going to be a robust market for him. But from the Raider perspective, I don't think there's going to be a trade market right. at all for him because of what happened. So, you know. There you go. So and that's yeah. so that's what, like I said, I'm not betting on these guys there. But I do think you right. have to look at all options, especially when it was a guy that you were interested in just a year ago. So, um, yeah. and also, Paul, good luck on the Tom Brady watch this offseason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the name that keeps flowing up there. And and you know, from everything I've heard, um, nothing that I can report, but everything that you hear is that if Tom Brady wants to come, it'll be a done deal. I do know that Mark Davis uh, was very intrigued by him back in 2020, and there was the report that Dana White from UFC had uh, brokered a deal for both Brady right. and Gronkowski to come to the Raiders, and John Gruden, who was then the head coach, blew it up because he was more interested in in developing and continuing to go forward with with Derek Carr at that time. So. You know, there's nothing about Mark Davis that's more true than he likes to make a splash. If you know, if you've been to a game in Las Vegas, you see yes. the game is like a club atmosphere. Anyways, uh, you get Tom Brady in there, the guy that kind of hastened the decline of the Raiders with the Tuck Rule game again, 21 plus years ago. Now we're talking. It, yeah. It's it's going to be interesting to see which way they go, and it kind of fits that narrative that I was talking about earlier. That whoever, based on the way Jarrett Stidham played those last two games knowing the system next year starter has to be somebody that knows the system, whether that's Tom Brady, whether that's Jimmy G, whether that's trying to flip a trade for Mac Jones, which would not make Raider fans happy. Um, all that happy anyway, or if it's even Stidham coming back on a, on a, you know, cause you get somebody like that for a heck of a lot less than 40 million. And you throw that money at the defense and, and you just kind of roll and ride it from there. But they also have the number seven draft pick. So you got to see where they go from there. In my opinion, if they do sign Tom Brady, that seven pick then goes to the defense or the offensive line. If they don't sign Brady, then you can use that seven pick or even move up to get a quarterback you like. And if things settled down in the organization, there was a lot of changes during the season. Yeah, yeah, it settled down. And it seems like with with the coaching staff, and, and again, you know, the glass half empty, half full, uh, you know, yeah, bottom line, they were 6-11 and 11, uh, a year after being 10-7 and seven and in the playoffs. Um they blew five leads of double digits or more in the, in the second half. Uh, I want to say they had 13 one-score games this season. Oof. So they were right there. They were close, but again, just couldn't get it done. Whereas last year, they had the six walk-off wins. So right. a lot of magic that they had last year that they used a lot of that up last year and not so much this year. So in their minds, they're right there. And in talking with Mark Davis during the season when when it looked like Josh McDaniels was, uh, you know, on his seat was getting very, very warm. He said, no, he, he already gave him his vote of confidence by hiring him at the time. And the, the quote that the kind of launched a million tweet responses to me from, from Mark Davis was Rome wasn't built in a day. So <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Paul, I appreciate your time. Thanks for the insight and thanks for coming on. Sounds good, John. Thanks. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Paul for joining me and thank you as always for listening. I will be back on Friday with another episode as we talk more about the Commander's offseason. So much going on, offensive coordinators, quarterback discussion, and ownership. Talk to you next time.